Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Right, the clock is running. I think we are recording, and it uh, it is good to have you guys back. Greg, how are you, man? I am fantastic. The sun is shining. Friday afternoon, our recording uh, session time together, and uh, and we're here talking, talking watches, talking drinks, uh, and I think we've got quite a special episode in front of us. How are you doing? You know, I can't complain, man. Things have been uh, things have been going pretty good. My one of my kids just celebrated a significant birthday. They're coming close to the end of their school year. Uh, my other daughter finished, I think, three AP exams in the space of like two days. So she was heavily stressed out, but now is is chill. And yeah, summer's almost here for them. It's going to be cool. Yeah, that's awesome. We just got back into town. We were uh, back east visiting family. It's obviously one of the first times we've done that in some time. So it was really great, really great to, to, to get out of town, see everybody, family, friends, and we're back in action here, back in the saddle. I forgot how much it work, how much work it was coming home from a trip or from a vacation, and so I think I, I feel like I need a vacation from the vacation. Yeah, that's not a bad strategy, actually. Do as much of that stuff as you can, like with a day off after you get back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I made time here. I carved out time for the important things. Oh, you have to. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I'm sure it was cool to see your family back in PA. So so with that, uh, let's welcome back uh, a special guest again, Mike Haymond, um, our first repeat guest, our inaugural guest, uh, and a, a huge friend of the pod. Um, welcome, Mike. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. We, you know, we, uh, we're always excited to talk with you. You know, we, we, I feel like we do it, you know, consistently just, you know, through posts and, and chats and emails and, and texts, but to, to do it, you know, with a specific purpose is, uh, is, is just another thing that is a lot of fun. And we have a big, big main topic. I mean, actual real news, uh, believe it or not, folks. Um, before we do that, though, I think it's time for a wrist check and a poor check. So, Mike, what's on your wrist and what's in your glass? Um, yeah, I was just, as you were saying that, I was thinking, boy, I hope I haven't had so much of what's in my glass that I get the two mixed up and tell you I'm wearing Blanton's and that I'm drinking <laughs> a, uh, 1675 GMT. And if you did, we wouldn't fault you for that, but oh my goodness, <laughs> let's, let's talk about that for a second, Mike. Um, the Blanton's or the GMT, Greg? Uh, well, you know, I like both, but I really want to hear about that GMT, Mike. No, I've, uh. I've been working very closely over the last uh, little bit here with my friends at Gray and Patina to acquire a few very specific uh, watches. And 
we've managed to, uh, well, they managed to help me um, find what I was looking for. And, and so this is one of those. It's a uh, 1984 uh, reference 16750 GMT. Um, it's anybody that knows me and my interest in vintage Rolex knows that I've got a real uh, thing for you know patina on on watches on dials in particular and this one's just really cool it's it's got this amazing loom that's kind of aged to a pumpkin color um and it contrasts off of a off of a black gloss dial and then one of my favorite features of the watch is a it it, it was in its original iteration a black uh gmt bezel that has now faded to a really really kind of cool navy uh blue and so we were looking for that specific kind of combination of of you know aging and and stuff on that watch and i'm uh, i'm happy to say we found it huge props to you guys um incredible to be able to put that uh wish list together and and for for the buds to to be able to source that and for you guys to come together on it amazing congratulations it's 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 yeah thanks thanks a lot thanks yeah, I've seen pictures of that thing. It's a humdinger. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks a lot, Matt. I um like it's hard to stop looking at it. It it it's funny, but when when you find exactly what it is you're looking for, which as we know in this watch thing is sometimes hard to do. In fact, sometimes it's just impossible. Um and it was kind of, you know, heartbreaking because about a month to six weeks ago, one got away. I mean, we, we had it in our sights. It was perfect, got away. And I really thought it'd be another, you know, six to 12 months before we found the next one. And, you know, it, it popped up pretty quick. So I was, I was happy about that. That has been filling my feed and I am here for it. Please keep it coming <laughs> because it is a joy to look at. And I, I really hope that I can, you know, we can all see it together in person soon. Cause that would be uh, really just uh, something else. Well, the in-person part is definitely something we got to do. I hope we touch on that later when we get into some Chrono Group stuff. But um, you know, also, you, you Matt, I want to hear. I want to hear what's on your wrist. What, let's do a poor check on your side. What, what's happening over there? Okay, so uh, as far as wrist check, um, I'm cheating. I'm double wristing. So the watch I've been wearing today is actually a little bit of a hidden gem in the Seiko SKX lineup. I think you know you can't have a a better stalwart in the the dive watch world than the Seiko SKX. And I think most people know the, the SKX 007 or maybe the 009, you know, the kind of the, uh, the Pepsi bezel. Hang on guys. Yeah. So sorry about that. I'll, I'll edit that out. I'm sure that was somebody trying to get a hold of me to talk to me about my car's extended warranty. That's exactly who it was. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, back to the wrist check. Yeah. I've got the, the Seiko SKX 171. And again, this is one you don't see very often at first glance, visually, it looks a lot like a 007 and I've modded it with the 007 bezel to make it look even more like that. But up close, what's really cool about this reference is it, if Seiko took the 007 and just wanted to up-level the details a little bit to make it, for lack of a better way to put it, a little nicer. Um, you know, it's just got uh, nice metal surrounds on the indices. The uh, date window treatment is a little bit nicer. It just everything is just a little more next level on this watch. And it's just, I don't think I've ever seen one in the wild. So that's cool. But then on my other wrist, because of uh, Mike and 
what we're going to talk about today, which we'll get into in a minute. I've got my uh, my circa 1971 145 decimal 022 Speedmaster Professional, the Moon Watch, Space Watch, Extraordinaire. And in terms of what's in my glass, I've got, um, I think maybe for the first time on the pod, I actually have a glass of wine going. I have a a Sanford, I think this is the 2018 vintage, the Chardonnay. This is a Sanford and Benedict uh, single vineyard pour. And it's it's a really, really good, high quality producer in uh, in the Santa Rita area. I think actually, I think they have their own AVA designation now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just a fantastic pour and it's a very nice, well-rounded, flexible Chardonnay. And it's not hot. It's not, uh, not one of these things. It's like 14 plus, I think this is in the 12 range and it just drinks very nicely. So I'm, I'm happy to have this one. It's smooth. Like Mike's head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing a theme. I, I love the foreshadowing that we're all doing. And so, uh, this is going to be fun when, when people get to really, um, open up the main, the main event here. Uh, and that, fr- that sounds like a great Friday afternoon, you know, summer, pre-summer, California, Friday afternoon pour. It's fan- that sounds wonderful. It is. I just took another sip. Greg, what are you wearing? I was also influenced by Mike. Look at this. Would you, could you believe, you know, he would, he would be the person, you know, to, to influence our, our risk decisions today. I'm not surprised. Um, you know, I, I was traveling for the last week, which I mentioned earlier. And so I had, I didn't have, um, I didn't have this, this watch with me. So I wanted to put it on last night and I just kept wearing it through the day and I almost switched it out to, 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 to be different. And I realized Mike told me, don't tailor the, the, the watch to the room, tailor it to yourself. And, and then it also occurred to me that I'm probably wearing this because of Mike. Maybe it was just sort of the subconscious. So my new official unofficial when I'm talking to Mike Heeman, watch is of course my Omega Railmaster, um, and nice. uh, it, it just fits uh, beautifully. Haven't had it on the wrist for probably about a week, week and a half, um, and it's just everything I need and nothing more. And uh, I think I'm going to wear it every time I talk to Mike from now on. Yeah, perfect. In the glass, something interesting. I have uh, I haven't talked about it much, um, but I've had it for a few weeks here. And I was at the local, uh, the local bottle shop, Mission Liquor, for those of you in and around Southern California. That's and a great spot. Great spot. And this beautifully colored, bright bottle just stared me in the face. And uh, it's, it's Mezcal Quiche, which could be confusing if, if you're not um, really steeped in it, which is also an agave type. There's Quiche or Quiche agave, but this brand is Quiche. And um, this is an Espadine. That was capone, so cut, you know, in the field, and and uh, they cut the stalk of the of the quixote, which grows out of the agave as it's you know ready to um, sort of its full maturation, left in the field, um, and all the sugars then that should have been sprouting this quixote up through you know for for uh, reproduction reproductive purposes is then kind of concentrated back into the the core of the agave, the pina, so it's all really sugar rich. Um, left capone. And this was distilled in 2004 and left in stainless steel uh, for the last 15 years until they finally released it um, as this sort of, you know, uh, special limited edition batch. So I'm drinking uh, an Espadine from Mezcal Quiche, 15 years old, rested in glass, 45% ABV. Um, loving it. Absolutely a really interesting uh, and lovely bottle. 
That sounds good. I'm looking forward to trying that next time I'm over. I'll pour it for you guys uh, when we're together and it brings, you know, we're not going to get into it too, too much right now, but the three of us, I'd love to talk about just, you know, resting in general, uh, of course, in, 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 in barrels, um, but also in other vessels and how it changes the spirit. It's really, uh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great conversation. Yeah, totally. Well, Hey, are you guys, we've done the wrist and the pour check. Are you ready to get onto the main topic? Let's lift off. Absolutely. All right. Well, good enough. So, um, Mike, have you uh, have you read any good watch stories lately? Maybe um, on Hodinky? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, as a matter of fact, Matt, I have. Um, so, yeah, I, as as you certainly and probably all of your all of your listeners uh, will know. Um, Hodinkee's just released their eighth, uh, volume eight of Hodinkee magazine. And, uh, there was an article in, in that, that I was fortunate enough to, to play a small part in. It was, it was a lot of fun. Well, can you give us kind of the reader's digest version of that story? Sure. Um, the, the story itself is, is, you know, of, a of a watch that, um, it, pretty cool, uh, Pretty cool thing, Movado, um, Datacron, from you know the the early seventies, late sixties, early seventies, and uh, it was you know it, it had the honor um, of going to space with uh, Skylab Four strapped to the ankle of Commander uh, Colonel Jerry Carr who led that particular mission, um, also that mission famous to the watch community because uh, William Pogue also uh, took a watch that we're all kind of become familiar with now, his uh, famous 6139 that is now called the, the Pogue Up. And so that's the, that's the abbreviated version of, of a really, really fascinating story. Well, so I think in a nutshell, then the way this breaks down is watch lore has held that Colonel Pogue's Seiko, again, now kind of affectionately, uh, yeah, affectionately known as the Pogue. Sorry, I got a little tongue tied there, but that watch was the first automatic chronograph in space, but it turns out now it had some company and while it still kind of shares, it has that distinction of being first, it shares the distinction with a previously unknown Movado reference. So that's uh, that's correct. Yeah, that's a, an amazing bit of like nerd trivia, and I think it's going to do really a lot to kind of enhance the scholarship of watches in space. And I I read the article, or at least the pressy of it. I don't know if it's going to be bigger in the print version, but it's very cool. What was your role in the development of this story? You know, it, it's funny how how the universe works, and the watch universe is is no different. I have a a friend who happens to be a client and a neighbor, um, all in one, who one day we were talking, her father, um, her name is Jessica. Her father was uh, Colonel Jerry Carr, Gerald Carr. And I had seen on on Facebook last summer, uh, late in the summer, that he had passed away. And, you know, I'm sure expressed my, my condolences to to Jessica. And then we just kind of left it there. I, we didn't talk more about it as a watch guy. You know, I'm always, I've always thought, boy, I wonder if, if this man had, 
you know, the watch, right? We, we, we all think in terms of Speedmasters when we think of, of NASA astronauts. So, you know, my first thought was, man, I wonder if somehow he got a hold of his or, or still has it. But I didn't really think much about it. Obviously, Jessica and her family were dealing with far more important things than, you know, the, the wondering of a, of a watch nerd. So we left that go. But early this year, Jessica and I were talking about an unrelated issue. And she, she brought up, you know, the watch. And I let her know that I'm, you know, kind of in deep in the, in the watch nerd game. And uh, she, uh, she, you know, it was over the phone, but her voice just kind of lit up and started sharing the fact that she had received, um, you know, received this watch from her father uh, upon his passing. And, you know, she didn't think that it had actually gone to space, but it was just cool that she had gotten this really neat old Movado from her dad and, you know, was really excited about that. So the next, the next step for her, you know, was she took it to have um, service done on it. When she told me that in this phone call, I, I really was like, oh, no, you didn't. And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, where'd you take it? She said, oh, I just took it to a local watchmaker. Well, my head almost exploded. I'm thinking, oh, no, I had this, I had visions of like somebody doing kind of a hack job on, on this watch and it turning out really poorly and stuff. And Okay. So sorry about that, Mike. We lost your audio, but you're reconnected. And we had just heard you say something to the effect that, uh, your friend had mentioned that she had the watch and had had it serviced and we could hear the anguish in your voice. And then we, we lost your audio. So take it from there. Right. So she had indicated that she had dropped it off with a watchmaker and, you know, instantly I panicked. I was a little happier. Well, a lot happier when I found out that the watchmaker um, was actually a good friend of mine and the watch community, uh, Joe at Jossmar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, long story short, we wrapped up the call. She still at that point didn't think that the watch had flown. Um, but I pushed her a little bit and asked her if she could just try and look through old photos, do any research she could do and see if she can't find, you know, some, some things that might help us understand more the extent of this watch's involvement in her father's career. I instantly got off the phone and called Joe and, and with her permission, kind of told him a little bit about what we wanted and didn't want done. Um, you know, essentially we wanted to watch service with the crystal replaced and, and basically nothing more, uh, which he, he did, you know, gladly. And then it was probably, um, Oh, I don't know, probably a month to six weeks later, I get a, a phone call from Jessica and she was extremely excited and her brother, who works for NASA, had tracked down an oral history that NASA had done with her father um, back in October of 20, or I'm sorry, of 2000, I believe it was. Um, and in that oral history, had actually uh, mentioned the watch. He talked about how he got it aboard, um, strapped to his ankle when he went into the room where the spacesuit is, is put on. That's awesome. He, um, yeah, he, he strapped it to his ankle and, you know, up he went along with a Speedmaster on his wrist and a Movado, uh, Datacron on his ankle. 
So from there, um, I sent uh, Cole Pennington. Yeah, it's funny. Those of us that pay attention to the the watch journalist space, and I think a lot of us do either directly or indirectly, um, know Cole's writing. And in my opinion, he was the right person to to approach with with this story. Um, so I sent him a message, but then you know, knowing that Cole, you know, I'd met Cole before, but knowing he wouldn't know who I was in a in a message. Um, I actually reached out to you, Matt, because you had had pre- previous conversations with Cole and said, hey, here's my situation. I sent this message, but could you call him for me or contact him in some way and uh, let him know that it's not just some you know crazy person um, with a with another space watch story. And, you know, you, you know, did that, thankfully. And I probably got a call from Cole 10 minutes later. Um, you know, wanting to, wanting to know more. Yeah. I think my, my role in the story seriously, well, um, Cole was kind enough to take an idea that I had about doing a story on the, the use of, uh, an, in a cockpit, uh, chronograph, or no, I'm sorry, not a chronograph, but a stopwatch, the for the Thunderbirds, the air force flight demonstration team. And, right. um, so we began communicating that way. And yeah, I basically just, uh, reached out to him after I spoke to you and said something to the effect of, Hey dude, check your spam filter. <laughs> uh, if, if you're looking, if you see an email from this guy, Mike, you want to open it. It is legit. It is real. Um, you know, do your due diligence, but it seems like a great story. And I think I heard back from him like a half an hour later and he was stoked. So that was, well, that's so cool. He was, yeah, he was, I, I definitely was. We, we talked that night a little bit later, um, in the evening and, you know, it was like a couple of kids on Christmas morning. Um, and, and even then we didn't fully realize the scope of the story. Um, but we knew it was, we knew it was going to be good. We just didn't know exactly how, how good it, it could or would be um coles he, he blew me away actually in this process i'm not a journalist i i did nothing with respect to writing the story other than uh you know one bring the story to try and and help coordinate a few um a few points of fact and and just facilitate anything on this end that i could um i was really fortunate in that cole um you know, I, I asked Cole if, if I could shoot the, you know, shoot the watch and assuming the photos worked for them, uh, if they wanted to use them, great. And if they felt like the photos weren't worthy, um, they could, they could, you know, have somebody else do that. And so in the end, I did wind up carrying the watch around with me for a couple of weeks, um, which was really cool and shooting it. And the photos did get used, one in the print uh, edition of the magazine, two on the uh, digital version of the story's release. Oh, that's yeah, that's fantastic, Mike. That's got to be really cool to know you kind of helped bring that story to fruition. And also, yeah, also, frankly, to have your pictures included. Very, very cool. Kudos to you, man. Oh, thanks. Yeah. it felt good to bring the story forward because, it, you know, if you understand the story of Skylab for in this particular mission, these families didn't get quite the they, they didn't get quite the reception, um, the astronauts and their families as the previous 
uh, missions did, things were changing at the time of Skylab 4. So, you know, liftoff was was televised. You know, the story was reported in the in the media during, um, you know, during the course of, I believe, 85 odd days in space, which is at the time was the longest, uh, you know, was man's longest time in space, which is another interesting aspect of the story. But when they came home, um, the the news media didn't feel like splashdown was something worthy of coverage anymore. Um, a lot of the stuff that normally would occur after the the astronauts return just wasn't wasn't something that the country was allowed to to you know focus on and pay attention to. And so you know a lot of these you know well these families I think really kind of got shortchanged you know in, in that their you know their loved ones return home wasn't as triumphant as it should have been you know given the history that was made on that mission you know that's an excellent point actually that uh there there I was alive for for that stuff and yeah I remember it just didn't have anything like the fanfare kind of looking back um now you know that you saw with apollo that program or uh, mercury or sts you know when the space shuttle went up that was such an enormous big deal and it was kind of like i think you know skylab unfortunately maybe was viewed as old hat and just kind of a, a yawn but it was so important and you know for watch nerds like us uh it's even more important now because there's just this huge additional piece of watch lore with a new a newly discovered flown watch a mavado of all things it's not just the uh, not just the museum watch people. Now that there's the the, <laughs> the Movado car, I don't know if they're going to call it that, but uh, that's it's a really cool looking watch too. I mean, yeah, never really having nice. seen this reference, Greg, have you taken a look at this watch? It looks awesome. Oh, it's it's incredible. And Mike, your your photos really do it justice. Well, I say that without having seen it in person, of course, but they're beautiful photos. And um, gosh, it's hard to describe. It's hard to give it the words it, it deserves, but um, just some really cool elements to it. Of course, you know, it's, 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 it's got the patina that you would imagine from its, its age. Um, you know, the bezel is, is incredible and it's got some, um, just really incredible character. Um, that's a really cool piece. What's and how fortunate that ended up with Joe, um, Joe's good people. And he, he can be trusted not to booger something up. Well, he did a, he did a great job with it. What, what was interesting about the watch to me visually is you, you see the photos and that dial comes off as kind of a gray green. Well, my understanding is, is that that dial when the watch you know, was new was actually blue. And so the, the level of patina on that dial is pretty significant. Um, it also made shooting it a little bit challenging. It, it was hard to bring much life out of that dial um, because it had faded to this matte gray green that didn't give much back to the camera. And I, I just have to also give a quick shout out. You know, this community of ours um, is a pretty amazing place. And so, you know, anything good in those photos really has very little to do with me. I'm the guy that, that held the camera and pushed the buttons. But, you know, I've, I've down the last couple of years had some great tutors Um with watch photography and i've got so much to learn anybody that looks at my instagram page will understand that 
you know, there are a lot of better photographers out there than me. I just happen to be a guy with a camera in the right spot at the right time. But, um, you know, I have to give a shout out to, you know, to Curtis at Gray and Patina, who, you know, literally helped me and still helps me figure out how to pick out the right equipment, um, how to use that equipment, those kinds of things. And then directly for this particular project, uh, Justin Morton, who is the photographer for Bob's Watches, who's become an incredible friend, um, not only of the Chrono Group, but of, of mine personally, who gave me full access to his studio for this watch and and guidance as well you know we bounced ideas off of each other um you know and and he really was a you know a, a great guide in in this process and none of that would happen without these guys and, and really a bunch of other people too yeah i won't even give you any flack for shooting like a <laughs> you know, I always, I always say, you know, give a, give a bad photographer a, a really cool watch and a really great camera. And even he, uh, in this case could make a, make a watch look okay. You know, and, and that's all I got to say about that. Well, Mike, so. I'm going to give you a little kudos. They're, they're really wonderful photos. I know you've, we've all had a lot of, I think many of us have had a lot of help from, from people who are really skilled in the IG community. But, um, but you, you did a great job. I mean, there's, it sounds simple, you know, but, uh, you know, just to be able to capture it the right way, you know, and, and, and perfect the edits the way you did, and especially to make it into, you know, not only the printed, but you know, or the digital, but the printed mag. I mean, that's incredible. You know, that's not, that's not, uh, uh, something that is easy to do. Well, thank you. I, I'm really proud of it. Um, I'm pr more than more than the photos. I'm super proud of the story um, and the way it was told, um, and for you know that little bit of involvement. But yeah, the photos. I, I was trying to help my family understand what it what it's like for for an average watch guy like me to have photos used by Hodinkee in the way that they were used. And I, the best thing I can I can say it be like you know being on vacation um in Yellowstone Park and having National Geographic decide to use your vacation photos um you know it's that's the closest analogy I can I can get you know for anybody listening that's thinking they're going to call me to you know shoot their next big uh their next big photo you know watch photo thing uh I'll give you the names of the people that taught me how to do it so you can actually get get it done right but you know for 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 me to to do this uh, it was pretty special to me. It meant it meant a lot. Um, this this whole watch thing has afforded me a few really proud moments, and that was that was way up there. Well, I think in some ways, Mike, it also speaks like, like you said. You've as always, you kind of put you know the people first, the community first, the events first, and in this instance, the story first, and and understandably and deservedly so. But I do think it speaks to your position um, and your kind of uh, um, you know as a steward. Um, not only to, you know, this story and helping bring it to the right people to tell it in the right way, but uh, within the watch community. And again, we touched on it in our in our first episode. We appreciate you so much for that. And, it, you know, it continues to just uh, affirm that every time we talk and, and, and something special like this comes along. Well, thanks. I, I appreciate you guys and what you're doing. It's important to the community. Speaking of the community, um, I don't want to cut short any any uh, uh, pieces of the of the story. So you know, pause me. You know, if you if you want to touch on more, but I'm curious, what's going on with the Chrono Group? 
Um, you know, there's been some really yeah. cool stuff lately. I was able to to jump into two of the recent events, um, particularly Eric Wind, which was just an incredible um, conversation. You even had previewed that for us a little bit when we all last spoke, and uh, and Morgan King too, uh, incredibly entertaining. You know, both people in their <laughs> own right, right? But uh, really fantastic yeah. events. You, you guys continue to find ways to plug people in even during the time, you know, these times when, when it's not easy to do so. And so uh, really looking forward to what's what's next on on the Chrono Group radar. Yeah, um, absolutely. And thanks for joining us on those. They were good. They were, you know, they were both entertaining and informative and most importantly, you know, just a, an opportunity and excuse to bring the community together. Going forward, I, first of all, the, the plan is to continue doing um, these virtual get togethers, you know, I don't know if it'll continue to be monthly or if it'll shift to be some other iteration as we go back to more local in-person meetups. But what we, you know, what we've come to realize, and it's, you know, not any great revelation, we should have known it all along, but COVID has forced so many, um, things to happen sooner than they would have happened on their own. And one of those for us is that by doing these these virtual get-togethers um, occasionally, we have an opportunity to do a couple things that we couldn't do otherwise. One, bring people together all across the country or in a couple cases, the world, because we've had people joining us from, from other parts of the world um, for these. So expand the reach of the Chrono Group, connect people you know, beyond their local, you know, their, their local, you know, situations. And at the same time, get access to people like an Eric Wind who live on the East coast in, in Eric's case. Um, you know, they're not necessarily going to fly out here every single time we want them to, to talk to us, although Eric has done that for us. Um, but to be able to get them on for, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is, to, to share and to, to just, you know, dialogue with people and, and, you know, do all that stuff to me, that's perfect. So, so we'll continue that again. I don't know what the frequency will be as we open things up. And that leads me to, to opening things up. Um, I, I imagine that we'll start to see, we've already had one in, in Salt Lake. They, they did their first in-person meetup in a long time. Uh, two weekends ago, I believe it was, went off really, really well. It was outdoors. It was careful, you know, but it was still, it was together. It was face to face. Um, and, and I wasn't there, but I imagine wonderful. We're going to start doing, <clears throat> getting back to these face to face meetups. So uh, in Orange County, I think we've targeted July, the fourth Thursday in July. San Diego, I think, is probably also in that uh, in that July August timeframe. <clears throat> Pardon me, and um, we're just going to keep rolling from there. That's probably the biggest news. Is after over a year, um, we're going to get to come together again in a you know in a face to face way. On top of that, um, we talked about a a collaboration that is moving forward uh, with increasing pace. I believe we'll see that come to fruition before the end of the year. Um, so I'm super, super excited about that. Um, we just want to make sure it's right before we do it. So that's what's taking time. And um, a whole host of other things. You know, we, we're getting ready to expand um, into a couple different cities. I, I won't. 
I'm not going to, you know, share the surprises just yet, but some cool places that we're all looking forward to. And, and, you know, that's going to be fun. There's just a million things going on, but honestly, the biggest thing is just getting back to face-to-face meetups where we can do what we love to do and see the people that we've come to love. That's huge. That, that, that can't be understated. Um, we've all really been clamoring and de- you know desiring that. And so to be able to to jump into that, I think people are going to be so excited. We've got a few weeks of, of sort of getting prepared, I guess, mentally, physically, you know, to, to, to do these if we're looking at the uh, middle to end of July. But it's right around the corner. I mean, it's 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 here. We can see it. The light at the end of the tunnel. It it is here, and it's going to happen, and and it's going to still happen the right way, though. I mean, we also still need to be sensitive to and respectful of, um, you know, everybody's thoughts on on their well being and health, and so yeah, you know, we'll introduce a few aspects to these things that are designed to help us stay safe, um, without being too intrusive. We hope and and enabling us to really you know, get back to, you know, face, FaceTime, which is why, you know, honestly, why the Chrono Group was started in the first place. Um, so. And listen, that's what we're looking for. That's what we need. Uh, but at the same time, I love how you're still saying, let, we can do sort of these hybrid models where some things will be virtual, remote, other things, of course, we need and want to be in person. Um, and you're just allowing more people to participate and to participate in the way that they either can or want to. And that's huge moving forward. And it just, like you said, uh, this, this whole thing has made us reevaluate um, many, many things and sort of uh, uh, expedited maybe some, some practices that we were doing before. And, and, and in some ways uh, we can do some things better. We're not absolutely, not you know, no, absolutely. When all when COVID started, I'll never forget. You know, Sam down in San Diego. Everybody knows Sam. Uh, Sam kind of led the effort on behalf of the entire Chrono Group to to get us going with virtual meetups. And I have to confess, you know, I wasn't you know I wasn't unsupportive of the idea. I just you know in the back of my mind was thinking, ah, this sucks. It's not going to be good. Um, you know, and and so I wasn't very enthusiastic. Um, although I, I tried to support it, but I've gone from that, you know, now, you know, to, I can't imagine us not continuing to do some aspect of those things going forward. So, you know, I needed, um, I needed that year plus to evolve, uh, you know, in that way. And, and so for, for that, I'm actually thankful for, for this, this season that we've all been in because I've evolved, not just in that way, but in, in many ways. And in all fairness, Mike, I think you've sort of hit your stride. I mean, you really MC it in a fun, easy, you know, casual, but still, um, you know, you know, kind of, you know, playing point guard, uh, out there kind of way. And so, um, you know, kudos to you, because not only have you done it, and like you said, sort of, you know, developed it over the last year. But I think you've really, um, you know, found yourself, uh, at least in my opinion, on, on being able to, to carry these virtual meetups. Oh, thanks. I've been channeling my late night inner talk show host uh, <laughs> to, to, to do that. <laughs> I think you're better at that uh, than probably most of them, in all honesty, Mike. So. Yeah, yeah. Although I would love to see singing in cars with Mike Heyman. That would be that's that's high on my list now. Oh God! That would that would very Hilarious. quickly move to the bottom of your list <laughs> after the first episode. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment, Mike. 
Oy vey. Well, hey, on that, why don't we, uh, let's wind up. And I think um, I just want to let, for the listeners, you know, we've made a point about every other episode of doing Cocktail Matchmaker and we are kind of due, but, you know, for this particular episode, we're not going to do that because we wanted to have extra time to talk to Mike. We did get a lot of really good uh, comments and feedback, um, both personally and, you know, comments on the post and DMs. And thanks again to my pal, Hungry Jim. That cocktail was amazing. The uh, electric green with the cilantro, that gin martini, that was fantastic. So we look forward to doing that again, probably on the next episode. And then Mike, you get a kick out of this um, in terms of like in-person stuff. So I had a significant birthday recently and Greg and I met up with the, uh, the out of time podcast guys, summer and Josh, and we actually did like a, a micro brew bike ride tour <laughs> for my birthday. We recorded as we went. So we'll, we'll have some more, a little bit more booze focused content coming up here soon. I can't, I can't wait to see that. I, I saw a couple posts on Instagram of the actual, like bike riding. And I have to say, Matt, for, for your 75th birthday, I thought you were doing really great out there. (laughs) I don't got it. I don't look a day over 74, right? (laughs) Without giving giving too much away, I'm just going to say that by the end of the ride, I had my hand signals down my, 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 <laughs> either that or you were intoxicated enough that you thought you had your hand signals down that's right it's uh it, it reminds me of um uh uh oh man what's that movie broken lizard movie um beer um beer fest uh when he looks in the mirror when he's, he's way too many beers deep and he thinks he looks like we're super suave and he's like totally ready to go out there and, and in reality they flash and he's wearing like you know uh, a case you know an empty case of beer on his head and he's just totally not looking great absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> no everybody did pretty good on that nobody got uh nobody got sideways everything was good hey greg do you want to uh lead us into some new stuff yeah we always love to touch base on things that were kind of new out there that were in our periphery before we, we sign off. So uh, I'm just going to jump into it. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the pod that I was traveling over the last week. And so um, I actually had a really, and, and then just last night too, a really cool uh, ex- couple of experiences. I visited um, a friend who uh, is going to be a, a podcast guest soon uh, in Philadelphia at a just a wonderful restaurant called Tequila's. Uh, it's a really a, a Philadelphia institution, um, Mexican cuisine, and just a, a really thoughtful way long before people were doing this, a thoughtful bar program. Of course, it's agave focused and uh, and met with the proprietor. His name is um, David Soro. A lot of people will be familiar with him. Um, I think I've even mentioned him in, in a few different instances and and spent some time with him and, and some other really you know great friends and, uh, and made some new friends. Uh, but just to to sit there and enjoy the food, uh, the company, and of course special special drinks um, with those people was was really um, fantastic. So shout out um, to to uh, Mission fifteen thirty, which we'll talk about a little bit more longer, and and David and the entire Tequila's family in Philadelphia. And then really surprisingly, last night we we just got home the other day, a friend of mine invited me. Uh, down to or over to, I should say, um, Madre restaurant. There's a few of them. Uh, the big first one is in Torrance, and now they subsequently have one, I believe, in Culver City and, and in West Hollywood on Fairfax. And uh, I really got to sit down and, with some really incredible people. Um, so shout out to Joe 
uh, his name Optimo Susio on, on Instagram and, and Darnell, who's a, a Oaxacan uh, Mezcal tour guide and, uh, and, and the proprietor of Madre, uh, Ivan Vasquez. And he pulled out every bottle on the table that you could even imagine. And he's got the biggest collection of anybody. And so just a really, two really uh, incredible uh, dining slash, you know, uh, drinking experiences with really special people, you know, and proprietors of of just really uh, top-notch establishments, both in Philadelphia and in LA. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all those people because it was really, um, just really uh, uh, fantastic. So um, Mike, what's kind of new in your world? Well, besides all these huge news-breaking stories and, and, and beautiful vintage acquisitions, uh, is there anything else, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, besides that, um, you know, honestly, the the watch community seems to be coming – not that it ever, like, stopped, but seems to be coming to life in a very different way, and it's becoming far more – uh, active again and, and engaging. And so for me, it really has been about just trying to get, you know, get FaceTime with people um, in small groups, you know, just, you know, two, three people hanging out for coffee for an hour um, in a, you know, in a safe environment. I, you know, that's been new for me. You know, we haven't done that for a long, long time. And, you know, so I, I have to say that's the biggest thing, but I do want to, I do want to plug cause you know, you're, you've got such a passion for agave spirits. It's a restaurant that the three of us are going to need to spend some time at sometime here, uh, not far from my home in Orange County called Chalk and it's actually, it's spelled C-H-A-A-K. Um, and it's got, in my opinion, um, just an amazing, um, tequila, uh, mezcal, um, selection. And I, I, the reason I want to do that is not so much for your benefit, but for mine, because then we can go sit there and you can educate me a little bit. Uh, I, first of all, yes. Uh, you didn't even give me an answer, a question, but the answer is yes. And secondly, I'm not familiar with them. So I am absolutely going to jump on their page and, and check them out after this because I my ears have immediately perked and I have a sort of a Pavlovian response going on right now. So you've got me. I'm in. Yeah, no, it's uh it's a kind of cool uh kind of cool environment and uh run by um run by a, a chef. She's got a restaurant in the Orange Circle called um called Gabby's and her name is um Gabby Patrick. Um, and this is just all food from the Yucatan and it's brilliant food, mm-hmm. but, you know, at, had her other restaurant chalk, um, the, you know, besides the amazing food, there's just this incredible, um, you know, selection there. And, and so I, though I've only eaten there at that particular restaurant once, but I have to tell you, I, I thought about you guys the whole time. So that will be new is being able to go do that with you. Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. Matt, what's on your radar? Well, first of all, uh, yeah, sign me up, Mike, because I've eaten at Gabby's many times. Gabby is great, great person. Um, the menu there is great. She has an awesome bar program at the location on the Orange Circle there. I used to work in that vicinity, so I'd, I'd eat both lunch and dinner there all the time. And it's super, yeah. super legit. Um, I want to say I saw it. It was very charming. It was either a photograph or maybe even a short video or something where she was um, you know, just kind of, uh, uh, starting up the business, uh, 
And I think she was visited by... So yeah, the bottom line on that, I think she had some encounter with Rick Bayless who happened to be in town and, and came to her restaurant, you know, and she cried. I mean, anybody who knows Rick Bayless knows, this, you know, he's, he's next level Mexican cuisine and he's a, a huge champion for Oaxaca and, you know, kind of the, as close to really, you know, good, fresh, clean ingredients and elevating Mexican cuisine. So yeah, I'm all about it. But as far as what's new for me, um, Actually, Greg, you know this. I was recently um, on for an episode with the guys at the Land Jam podcast. They were kind enough to have me on. Great episode. And yeah, one of the the suggestions from uh, from Sanjeev on that was to watch a uh, a like a documentary on Prime Video called Som, and so that's spelled S O M M, and that's kind of slang shorthand for sommelier. And this this particular documentary kind of follows a cohort of people who were going like the run up to, and then they're actual sitting for, it's like a three day examination or something like that. But it's, um, it's a very long, very daunting examination for the master sommelier certificate. And as you probably know, you know, sommeliers are a dime a dozen, but as you work your way up through sort of through the ranks of the, um, you know, the legit sommelier world, the top rank is master sommelier and the amount of knowledge and, um, you know, the, the nose and palate training that goes into that is so intense and so stressful. There's only, I think there's only been 150 or 170 some odd master sommeliers. Maybe it might be more now, um, over the past, maybe, you know, 50 years, 60 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's all over the world, not here in the states. That's everywhere. That's you know the U.S., France, uh, Japan, any any place else where these folks are working, and it follows them, and it's really really interesting. It's intense, and as somebody who enjoys wine, I mean, I'm I'm blown away by the level of preparation that they have to engage in, and it's just I don't know. It's very cool. So well recommended. Again, the video is Psalm. And it's uh, available on Prime. I think it is. You do have to rent it. I think it's or buy it. But you know, it's not. You don't stream it for free. But it's it's worth the three bucks or whatever they charge you to rent it and watch it. Give it a shot, Matt. I have to absolutely applaud your pairings today. Not only are you drinking a favorite wine, you're talking about your wine doc. You lined up your wrist with the main event. I mean, bravo! Next level today. You are really on your game. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I put some thought into this, you know. I could, We could tell, and it paid off. Right on, right on. Well, hey, guys, I think we've kind of wound our way through everything, and we're at about 50 minutes here. We've had a few audio challenges, but we'll we'll work that out in post. Mike, it's been great to have you back. Any last words? No, guys, I first of all, just thank you. Um, this is, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I, I have really enjoyed all that you're doing, all that you're releasing. Um, uh, just keep doing it. It's fantastic. Thanks a bunch, Mike. We threatened to have you back on again. Um, and and here we, we went and did it. And, and partly because you continue to do amazing things in the community. And, and secondarily, we just love talking to you. So be careful because we've already made plans uh, to, to visit in person soon. So, you know, you can't get away from us. Can't wait. Absolutely can't wait. Right on. Well, hey, we'll have that be the last sip. You guys take care. And we'll catch you next time. Cheers, gents. Cheers. Cheers. 
We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.